We hope you've been enjoying the Take Heart Summer Interview Series. Thank you for listening and sharing it with others. So we are taking our own advice regarding self-care, and we will be taking the month of August off. We will be back for Season 2, which kicks off on Tuesday, September 7th. If you're not already an email subscriber, make sure to go to our website at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com because we have some exciting things that will be released to our email community in Season 2. Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope and offer insight and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Amy, Carrie, and Sarah will explore a theme, share an inspiring story, practical tips, and an encouraging blessing using our combined experience of over 30 years of parenting children with special needs. everyone, it's Sarah Klein, and our guest this week is Jolene Philo. Jolene grew up in a caregiving family and raised a son with medical special needs. During her 25 years as an educator, she created an inclusive classroom for children with disabilities. She's the author of several books about caregiving, special needs parenting, and childhood PTSD, including Sharing Love Abundantly with Special Needs Families, The Five Love Languages for Parents Raising Children with Disabilities, which she co-authored with Dr. Gary Chapman. She is currently working a Cozy Mystery series. Her award-winning blog at differentdream.com provides encouragement and resources for caregiving families. Jolene and her husband live in central Iowa. Hi, Jolene. Hi, Sarah. Nice to be with you. Oh, thank you so much for being here. This is going to be such a treat, guys. You are just going to love this. So the first time I met Jolene... um, was at a conference. I went, we were starting a special needs ministry at our church and she was the keynote speaker. And it just was such a wealth of knowledge for me. And I'm going to let her share a lot of the things about um, what all of the things that she has going on, which is just phenomenal. Um, Jolene, tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, just all the things. <laughs> Okay, sure. Uh, I grew up in a small Iowa town called Lamar's. It's best known as the home of Wells Blue Bunny ice cream. So if you've ever had Wells Blue Bunny ice cream, that's my hometown. And my father was disabled the entire time I was growing up. He had multiple sclerosis. So we were a caregiving family. My two siblings, myself and my mom cared for dad in our home. Uh, When I graduated from college. I got married during college. My husband and I moved out to Northwestern South Dakota, 20 miles from Montana or 20 miles from North Dakota and two miles from Montana, very remote little town of 92 people. While we were out there, I taught country school and our first child was born and he was born with um, a birth defect that was quite life-threatening and uh, required immediate life flight to Omaha where he had life-saving surgery. By the time he was five, he'd had seven surgeries and hundreds of procedures, but he was doing very well. 
So by the time he hit school and we moved to Iowa in central Iowa, kind of when he was three, it was pretty hard to convince people that he'd had all these big issues because he did well. And he did very well all through elementary school. When he started middle school, we started to see some um, behavior issues that concerned us, but it was quite a while in fact, he was 26 when we finally received a diagnosis for him of post-traumatic stress disorder caused by all of those early uh, surgeries he had. I was a teacher for 25 years. I left teaching in 2003 and started writing and speaking and working for a church. And what I found was what I had to say about raising a child with special needs and being raised by a dad who had a disability really resonated with people. And so my first book was a devotional called A uh, Different Dream for My Child. And it is just devotionals for parents who are raising kids with special needs. And I've had several other books published since then, all for the caregiving community or special needs ministry. Uh, and my most recent book that's out is Sharing Love Abundantly in Special Needs Families. It's about using the five love languages in caregiving homes. And uh, I co-wrote that with Dr. Gary Chapman. Right now, I am working on a fiction series. The first book in that series will be published next summer. It's a cozy mystery, loosely based on the town we lived in in South Dakota. And it has a number of characters integral to the community and to the plot who have disabilities and special needs. So that's me. That is... Oh, that's so exciting. I love all of that. Um, the mystery, I, I cannot wait. That's going to be such a great read. And the first book I ever I ever read of yours was that Different Dreams devotional. And so, um, okay, so listeners, I won her book at this conference. Um, they pulled my name out. I don't win anything. And I think it is exactly, you guys have heard me quote this book several times. And I was so excited to win this book and I went out and I asked if she would autograph it. And I tell you, it made my whole weekend. So that was just a little, little side note. Um, <laughs> but, and I think that there's going to be so many listeners because that's going to really resonate with when you said that it was just hard to convince others about the diagnosis. Um, like my son at first, when he received his diagnosis for all intents, all intents and purposes, he seemed quote unquote normal. That's what people would tell me. Well, he looks normal. And well, first of all, then I would say he is normal, but I, it's hard to convince others when there's not that, especially, I mean, you didn't even have the diagnosis until 26. So, um, could you just speak a little bit more on just the difficulties and how did you overcome those difficulties when it was not just dealing with the issues that you have to deal with, but then you're trying to convince other people. Um, you know, it's really hard to do that. You kind of, in many ways, just have to let time take care of it for you. Um, now, when our son was really young and we lived in South Dakota, nobody had any trouble 
<laughs> understanding that it was a big issue because they saw us have to take him down. He had tubes. We, they saw us taking him to the doctor. They knew he was life flighted. They saw he had a feeding tube and all that kind of thing. So that wasn't so hard. When we moved, though, and by then he was through most of the surgeries, I'm sure we seemed to a lot of people to be like hovering parents, you know, but we knew his, his problem was with his esophagus. So we knew if he ate too fast, he could choke or if this happened, this would be the result or he got bronchitis a lot when he was little because his um, bronchial tubes weren't fully developed. It took time. Um, but when it, as he got older and we started dealing with the mental health issues, that was when it was really hard to convince people because it started about middle school as we, um, as we kind of started loosening some of of the structure we had around him to let him start making decisions as kids need to do in middle school. And what we didn't realize was that with his trauma issues, that the idea of having to make his own decisions and not having people keeping him on track was very scary for him because he knew that he didn't, he didn't feel safe and his reactions maybe weren't going to be, um, weren't going to be what they should be. And yet he had no way of communicating that to us because it was all this nonverbal trauma he was dealing with. So convincing other people that your child who gets straight A's and is the lead in every play and in the academic, on the academic team and National Honor Society and the, the jazz band drummer, trying to convince them that there are issues is really hard. Uh, it really wasn't until he ran away for the first time after his junior year in high school. Then we started to get people to pay attention. Uh, but still, it took eight years after that before we got a diagnosis. And that was in 2008. And not, you know, that was when PTSD in kids was just kind of starting to come into being better understood or or whatever. You know, in childhood, developmental trauma was just starting to be... Uh, a thing. So we kind of went through the early years of that as that that understanding and awareness grew. So it and it is hard. You just kind of we just kind of had to say, well, we know it's real and then we really know it's real because he went through treatment and the treatment helped. <laughs> and that really is the proof that you've got the correct diagnosis. Right. Right. Absolutely. So you have been in a special needs family, as long as you can remember. How is one way that your faith has grown um, just as a result of this journey? Uh, I think the big thing for me, and I don't think I really understood this until I was an adult myself, this part is that I was not in control. When you have a child who's born and a few hours later, life flighted away, you know, all you can do is pray and you, that's all you can do. And you have to. And so I, we came to understand that God was in control of our children. And so that illusion that a lot of parents have that they're in control of their children is quickly ripped away. Um, the, and so that has led me to being more dependent. I think in my faith, realizing that there's, there are some things I can do and I am to do the things God provides me the tools and the capabilities and the resources to do, but there's a lot of things that have to just be left with him. And then finally, I think 
what I really have come to understand from my childhood is that God does that. I can look back now over almost 65 years and see that his provision was enough. It wasn't always what I wanted. wasn't what my family wanted. It wasn't what we thought we needed, but it was exactly what we needed because all of those things have played into what was then a future that now I've lived through and I've seen why we had to do those other things first. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I know one of the hardest things, especially when you're dealing with your child, is that loss of control. Um, And like you said, I, I love how you said it's just, it's the loss of illusion. It's not the loss of control. It's the loss of the illusion of control. And you find that control back when you realize that that control is with Christ. When you are down on your knees, that's when that control starts, you start to be able to recognize that control. So it's wonderful. So there's so many things about being a special needs mom and special needs dad that, or just a caregiver, the, the trials are endless and almost daily and it's exhausting and it's just so upsetting. But one of the things that I love to ask people is what is one thing about your child in this journey that has just brought you so much joy? And maybe it's hard to narrow it down to one thing, but what can you tell us about just that true joy of being a special needs mom? I think for me, um, it was, and it, it continues to be, even though my son is almost 40 and I don't know when that happened. Um, see, watching that my son grow and change and learn. Um, and I know that's different for different parents because our kids all have different capacities, but Every child, as a teacher, I know this, every child can learn and every child learns at their own pace. So just watching what my son's pace would be, what excited him, what he loved to learn about, what didn't matter to him, and now seeing that carry on into his adulthood has just been a delight. And I think some of that is maybe because I was a teacher and I've always loved to see kids grow and learn. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. and. If you could go back and give yourself any advice when he was younger, would you go back and give yourself advice? And what would that be? It would be to relax, <laughs> not not get so caught up. I mean, and we had lots of crises and lots of times where they were life-threatening crises, you know, and we needed to get to the doctor now and more life flights and more, more, um, more surgeries and, you know, a year of having to breastfeed him. And that resulted in, because he was using a feeding tube, I had to pump for an entire year because he was allergic to anything but breast milk. But I would still go back and tell myself, just relax. You know, you just do what God calls you to do and trust him with the rest. Even if that means that you're only going to have your child a few months or a few years, just relax and enjoy the time you have. I, I love that. Um, and thank you for saying that. That is one of the things I always, um, I joke around with my husband, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm forty-eight, sixteen, and it's, you know, be still and know that I am God. And I also, I often hear God in my own mind saying, chill out. 
not really be, be still, but it's like, Sarah, just chill out a little bit. Um, but, <laughs> you know, and like you said that no matter how long you're going to have them, my son's diagnosis is terminal. And one of the things that I realized is I could be upset for the duration of his life or I could just enjoy what I could enjoy. And no, I'm not going to enjoy every moment. Um, like you said earlier, you're not going to understand everything. Nothing. It's not going to be fair. It's not going to seem fair, but I can say now a decade into this diagnosis that I can look back and say, gosh, I did not know that at that time, but that person at that hotel where we were staying during this whole infusion thing, that was something God provided for me that he sent that person to help me. And so again, I just love how you said, just relax. And I think anytime we ask this question, I I would say nine out of 10 times, we always hear parents say, I would just tell myself to relax a little bit. Um, (laughs) That's funny. One of the things that we talk about on our show, um, especially here is just connection. And it's so hard to connect with others. It's hard to connect. It can be difficult to connect with your spouse, your child, with friends, um, even with yourself and self-care. And then it can also be hard to connect with God when you have all of these feelings. Um, and I, I would just love to hear, and I know this is such a broad topic, but I would love to hear your take on just, and this kind of, this goes into your book as well. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to direct your comments, but that is just the, the whole connection as a whole. What would you, what would you tell our listeners about that? How could you, what is some of the advice that you could give us on connection? Sure. Um, I guess my first advice would be you need to let people in. Even though you don't think you have time, and even though they're going to ask you questions you've answered 20 times before, and even though you'd rather um, talk about something else, you need to let them in and tell them what your life is like. Because even though you're going to have to tell that 20 times, five of those 20 people might be willing to walk alongside you and make a difference. Um, and, And those people that do that are just treasures. And, uh, They are worth the work of the 15 that don't come alongside you. Um, And they will be, I'm going to get all weepy about this. They will be uh, lifelong friends. Um, When our son was little and we were out in that little town, 92 people in South Dakota uh, and a lot of ranches outside town, that community took our son under their wing and our family and they just brought us meals and they we did our garden and they froze our produce and they they cleaned our house we didn't ask for those things i was still teaching at the drop of a hat if i needed a substitute one of the mothers would come in and teach the class and so many of those people we haven't lived there now for 37 years are still friends. I just received I just received a graduation announcement for the son of one of my former students. I call them my grand students. Um, and 
Yeah, and my husband is retiring this summer, so for the first time in a long time, we're going to be able to go out there and really spend like a week. I've gone out a few times. My husband hasn't been able to as much, but we're going to go out and just spend a week there seeing those people because they are just dear to us. And we know that um, if we would ever email them or text or write them a letter and tell them that we have a need, they would be there for us, praying for us and caring for us. And so those connections are so important because you can't expect your family to do it all your immediate family. And I know my mother expected my brother, sister, and myself to do it all. We had one aunt and uncle in town who she would call upon. And they are, I mean, they're as close as parents to us. Um, but other than that, if people ask what she needed, she would say, well, we're fine. And we weren't fine. And so you've got to let people in so that you have a big group of people to support you when you need support. And you need to let them know what's going on so they understand when you fall apart or or when something terrible happens, they're there. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And it's one of the stories that I that always comes to mind whenever we're talking about connecting is um, our podcast, the co-host, Amy, she talks about how she had a friend that said, I didn't know how to help you because you didn't tell me. And that's always just stuck with me is, they're not, people aren't going to know how to help you. They're not going to know how to walk beside you if you don't let them in. And like you said, you cannot expect family to do everything. It's, I am very fortunate. I have a mom, a mother-in-law, my sister, just every, there's so much family there that's willing to help me, but it's still so nice to have somebody outside of the family come and walk beside you. So thank you for that. Um, okay. So in the book, you talk about also, how to connect with children that you might have a difficult time determining what those love languages are. Uh, so not all of our children. My son is verbal. He can tell me what he wants. It doesn't always make sense. And sometimes we just have to just accept the fact that we might not understand exactly what he's trying to say. But there are so many families with nonverbal children. And one part of the book, you were talking about how to determine the child's love language. And... Can you speak more on if you're having a difficult time determining those love languages, how to determine that? How do you go about trying to figure that out? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think the key there is observation. You have to really take the time to watch your child and see what makes them light up. So one of Dr. Chapman's, um, methods that he uses with younger children. And, and before I go into it, I should mention, if your child's developmental level is between the ages of birth and age five, whatever their chronological age is, just use all the love languages with them. Because when children are that young, developmentally or chronologically, they need all the love languages. They're all important to growth and development. So, and if you never can figure out your child's love language, just use all five with them. Even if they have a higher developmental level than that, at least 20% of the time you're going to hit it. Um, if you only use one of them and it's not theirs, you're never going to hit theirs. So just use them liberally, all of them. But as you do that, even take maybe a week and just use like gifts 
giving and receiving gifts with your child and see how your child responds. Even keep notes on how they respond. Then try acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, and quality time. Try each of them for a week or two. Keep those notes and observations, and you're probably going to discover that one of them really makes your child light up. They seem to enjoy it more. It means more to them. You know, they do it for longer. That there's a, It's kind of like when you give a child five toys for Christmas, there's one that they're still playing with two months later. It's kind of like that with the love languages. You give them all five, but there's one that they just keep coming back for more and seem to want it more. And then if you still aren't sure, ask yourself these three questions. What calms my child? Which one of these, when I use it with them, calms them? Which one motivates my child? So it makes them eager to maybe change a behavior or do something with you or it's one thing they want to engage in. And then where does the child choose to spend time. So does your child like to go to the store with you? And if you pick up gifts to give other people, that really lights them up? Or do they prefer to have you sit with them and read a story or help uh, help them make their bed? Whatever it might be, you've probably found the one that is their primary love language. So that's my best advice. And a lot of it came from parents of kids who were nonverbal or had a lot of communication difficulties. I know that in your book, you have uh, just listeners, just so you, you know, there are stories and examples and scenarios that are just sprinkled throughout this whole book. So it, it's, it's really going to help. And then one of the things, Jolene, that I really liked is, at, I mean, I just so appreciated with this is just the generosity that you had at the back of the book of all of the resources. So all of the resources you talked about, you have links to everything. You have websites. And I mean, it's just such a wealth of information. And I think that that is just so key to trying to figure out where your family lies, where your family thrives is it's going to be trial and error sometimes. And um, so just love that about this book. And so speaking of this book and you have other books, um, you have a blog and I would just tell us more about where we could find you, um, how we can support you. Sure. Um, thank you for asking that question. Every author loves to hear that question. Um, I have a blog. It's called differentdream.com. And it's been up and running for, I don't know, 11 or 12 years now. And it has a lot of things that I've written. It also has a lot of things from guest bloggers who are all parents of kids with special needs or work somehow within the special need and disability community. So there's my blog there. And um, also I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook author page called A Different Dream for My Child, but I'm also there on my personal page of Jolene Philo, so you can find me at either of those. And it'd be great to have you like the page or join it, you know, and leave comments. I'm also on Twitter at, at Jolene Philo. That's not very, you know, very creative, but when you have a name like Jolene Philo, you don't need much else. That, that domain name is never taken. And then um, recently, recently um, I've started an Instagram page and it deals more with my fiction work. And that's the one that I really could use some help getting the word out. So my, my Instagram handle is 
down the gravel road, but road is just RD. And I and that has more things about my life, what I'm writing, what it's like to be a writer, what it's like to live in a family where my daughter and her husband and their two kids also live with us. So what it's like to live in a multi-generational family. And then also on Facebook, I have a group related to that, uh, to my fiction work. And it's also called Down the Gravel Road. And you can ask to join and I'll be glad to have anybody join. Great. That is so exciting. I'm really looking forward to the fiction writing. It's just, that's one of my best getaways. Whenever I just need to decompress, a good book is always exactly how I, I choose to do that. And so listeners, we're going to have links to the show note in the show notes to all of this. We'll have links to all of her social media platforms, the blog and uh, the books themselves. So um, we are so grateful that you are here Thank you for taking the time with us. It has just been a true joy. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It was uh, great to connect with you actually in person. And now to put, I remember meeting you at the conference, but it's always good to see a face again and like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> get everything connected. The older I get, the harder it gets. <laughs> My brain is very crowded. Yeah. Well, so, it's easy to, I need a few more props than I used to. <laughs> It's easy to remember, oh, the really excited one, the one that was a little bit too excited. <laughs> so, but again, thank you so much. It's been a true joy. Well, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's been great to be with you. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week on Take Heart. If you are loving our podcast, would you do us a favor and leave a review on whatever platform you're using? You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments or would like to share your story with us, follow the links in our show notes. We love hearing from our listeners. Just a reminder that we are taking the month of August off and we will be back on Tuesday, September 7th.